Welcome to another edition of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, recording from the beautiful Flathead Valley. It's Friday, April 22nd. This week, the Flathead Beacon put out its annual music edition of the paper. The paper featured stories focused on musical threads from a guide to Montana summer concerts and festivals, to musician profiles, to looking at Flathead High School's new marching band uniforms. One profile, Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, was written by Flathead Beacon Managing Editor Tristan Scott and delved into the career of Whitefish-born singer-songwriter Isaac Opatz. Isaac, who will be playing a release party for his new album, Extra Medium, next Friday in Missoula, joined the podcast to talk about his inspirations, being a songwriter during COVID, and what his future holds. Before we get to that conversation, however, a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, there's some extra perks too. So to find out more or join today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. Isaac Opatz. I'm a songwriter from Whitefish, Montana. Well, okay, I messed it up. <laughs> I was born in Whitefish, but I'm, I guess I'm from Missoula at this point. I mean, we like to claim everybody who's uh, even tangentially related to Whitefish or the Flathead Valley yeah. or even stopped in on a good weekend, depending on who they yeah. are. Well, let's start with some of your, your real background. What is it that kind of started you into the uh, world of music? That was probably just my parents and osmosis. Neither of them are like um, musicians in a committed sense. I think my dad played some music when he was younger, but they've always listened to a lot of music. And then they they got me signed up for piano lessons early on. And I quit not long after that and uh, (laughs) never practiced. And then I did uh, band in middle school and the first year of high school. And I quit that. And then I started playing guitar in high school with some some friends in Whitefish. Um, so just kind of always being around it. And then it really, yeah, just it really resonating and being a, a great outlet for me. Um, but it wasn't until I, I always kind of, I felt like there were these, you know, piano didn't quite do it for me. Trombone didn't quite do it for me. Mm-hmm. Guitar probably wouldn't have done it for me either, except for I, I was learning at the same time as some friends. And so... Once I kind of got the hang of how to play enough, then there was this new kind of, um, <clears throat> we learned how to play together and, and harmonize and um, one person playing rhythm, another person soloing. And that was made it fun all over again. And then when I went to college, um, my cousin um, sang and wrote songs. And so I got into that um, through them and that kind of, raised it up to another kind of level of um, complexity and made it interesting again to play music. Um, and then, yeah, sharing songs with people and having some place to put all my feelings and, um, and then kind of learning more about how songs can be these little kind of puzzles that you, you piece together. That's what kind of has kept it an ongoing interest. I think, I think a lot of people, 
could be great musicians. And it just has to do with either you're pushed really hard from behind or you get lucky and hit these little, like, you find the right community or you find, like, a little aspect of it that, that really works. Um, so I think it's, you kind of just got to get lucky in some ways. Well, I know that there were a lot of, uh, you know, barriers and issues that a lot of singers and songwriters hit during the pandemic in terms of shows being canceled, not being able to to connect with fans, having, you know, records get put on hold. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like? I know you, you recorded a record right before the pandemic hit. What was it like doing that? And then what did you do kind of during that two year stretch to uh, keep yourself going and, and stay stay focused? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, we finished recording and then we did a little tour and then mm-hmm. I did a solo tour, right? Like right before everything shut down. And then, um, and then I moved back to Missoula after being kind of in the LA world for like four or five years. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways I was kind of, it was kind of a nice, I was ready to kind of just tuck in and, um, I don't know, at least the first couple of months I wasn't too heartbroken about um, being not playing shows and, um, all that. But, um, then I decided to go back to do trail crew that summer cause there wasn't going to be any, any touring to be had. And so, um, yeah. And in some ways I kind of just like, I just kind of indulged in the other sides of myself and, um, kind of set music aside a little bit. But then throughout that summer, um, it seemed like a really good opportunity to um, do this um, project that eventually came to be called Hot and Heavy Handed. And it's these uh, mostly covers, um, country covers that I'd been kind of thinking about for a while. And then um, it was just a fun thing. We realized that the record was going to take a long, longer to be released. And so it seems like a good time to um, do a fun release in the middle of that and put it out on cassette tape. And, um, it was something we could do remotely. So I, I would record things in Montana during my weekends and, mm-hmm. um, send it to LA and, um, my friends Malachi and Dylan would dress it up. And, um, so that was one way to kind of stay, um, <clears throat> engaged with those guys and, um, just thinking about music in a, in a fun way. Um, yeah, but it was at that point, it was just totally, for us, um, I mean, we knew it was going to be released, but like we weren't going to be able to tour on it right away. And um, there wasn't going to be much hullabaloo. So it was just like a really fun thing to do since we were separated and um, <clears throat> there wasn't much else going on. It was it was really a perfect fit for that time. Can you talk a little bit about your musical style? I think at one point, uh, Tristan writes that you... Uh, like the term dirt wave dirt bag. Uh, yeah. yeah. I always said dirt wave, but he, uh, added the dirt bag, um, which is not out of, out of, uh, that it makes sense too. Cause um, it's part of that, but yeah, the dirt wave part is, um, it's kind of, it's a nonsense word that, um, my friend Dave came up with, but it just sort of, resonated um in how it described sort of a folksy kind of country songwriting that has more of a 
um, more of a, a vibe that can like incorporate pop and, um, jazz and, um, kind of weird hookier stuff <laughs> than you usually find in country. And then the dirtbag thing, that's kind of just, I've been a seasonal or I was a seasonal, you know, park employee for years. And that sort of, that sort of defined my social life and my identity for that mm-hmm. time. And so a lot of the songs kind of come out of that where I was homeless or, you know, I was moving around and traveling and, um, sort of bemoaning the fact that I didn't have stability, but also enjoying it and um, not really making any concrete moves to change it. Yeah. Can you kind of expand on, on the connection between your music and what you write about and that, that lifestyle and being able to draw on that kind of vagabond seasonal work and also the places that you were working. I mean, Montana and, and Glacier and all these areas provide a lot of inspiration through, through a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of really what it, how it informed it was maybe this would just kind of comes natural anyways, but a lot of pining, a lot of being one place and wondering if I should be somewhere else or, um, feeling, yeah, sort of just really harping on, on regrets about just, it was like, it was years and years of, of just feeling like, uh, I've. I should be somewhere else or should be doing something different. Um, those kind of insecurities of when you're not um, investing in something where you're just out doing fun things or skipping around because you're not quite sure what you want to be doing. So that, that informed a lot of the songs. A lot of them are about being on the road or missing people or missing places. Um, and yeah, as far as the, the songwriting goes well. I mean, working in Glacier has definitely supplied a lot of metaphor. Like just being mm-hmm. in the woods, I think that's most people kind of agree that art is always imitating nature, yeah. and so it's a lot of um, it's a, just a that's where metaphors come from originally. No matter, I mean, if they kind of go through a few different iterations, like that's where they've. It's all those are like the original objects and shapes and um, kind of feelings. So I think working in the woods, I never, I didn't actually write a lot when I was on trail crew, um, but I still think it kind of built up a a store of metaphor and descriptions and, and just gave me plenty of time to think about things. Well, the last thing kind of looking forward, I know you're, you're now in Missoula going to, are you doing graduate school now? Yeah where do you see yourself going forwards in terms of music being a big part of your life versus what other avenues you're, you're now exploring? Yeah. I, I don't know how it'll all work out, but um, I, in my mind now I have this kind of pie chart where I have um, (laughs) a third of my time is devoted to music. um, A third to leather work, um, doing something, you know, kind of not so much with my something that's kind of more physical and um, productive in a uh, more obvious way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a kind of more consistent source of income also than music say. Um, and then now journalism. Um, and I don't know exactly how it'll fit, but I think <laughs> I'd like to um, 
I'd like it to kind of be the way that I engage with the world, you know, a little bit more like leather work. I'm just kind of stuck in a shop music. You're kind of on this, in this weird other isolation where you're sort of, um, you're either on stage or you're at home by yourself or you're, um, or you're also just kind of thought of differently and like you're inaccessible in a way, um, Mm -hmm. or people have ideas about who you are that aren't totally true. Um, and so sometimes that can be really, that can be kind of isolating too. And obviously it just feels really self-involved to write songs about yourself. And so journalism, um, I think is just kind of a, it's a, it's writing, it's storytelling. Um, but it's a great way to kind of get outside of myself and into the world and, and talk to people I wouldn't normally talk to. Um, so I don't have a, I don't have a, a real, hard and fast career path right now in mind, but some combination of those three things I think will finally make me happy, <clears throat> but we'll see. With that, uh, what is coming up for you in terms of uh, performances and when can we expect you, especially up here uh, where people in the whitefish area can hear? Yeah, I should check, but um, <laughs> I'm going to check really quick. Cause I am, I do have a show coming up in Kalispell and it is, I think going to be in July. Yeah. July 18th. It's actually a Monday. Uh, Dan Dubuque is going to open and I think I might be at the Eagles. Um, so never, I maybe never played in Kalispell before. Um, but <laughs> before that I'm going to play up here, um, at a place called love boat or sorry, down here in Missoula <laughs> love boat paddle company. Um, and that's going to be kind of the album release. I'll just be playing solo, but it's April 29th, the day that my album comes out. Um, and then the next day I'll play in Butte. Um, that's Saturday at the Carpenters Union Hall. Um, there's another Missoula show, May 14th maybe. But then the full band is going to come. Um, that'll be starting in um, late July. And we're going to play in Missoula. Um, we're going to play in Bynum mm-hmm. for this little festival that me and some friends put on. Um, I don't think we're actually going to make it to Missoula or to Whitefish, sorry, um, or the Flathead in general. Missoula and Bynum are going to be the closest, which I know is not super close, but um, it will be really fun to have the full band. We're going to play at the fair this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, those dates are on my website. That's Excellent. Helpful. Well, people in the Flathead are definitely used to uh, traveling for, for good shows, so I'm sure there will be some flocking to Missoula, and uh, we'll make sure that your Kalispell show is hopefully uh, well attended up here. Cool. Um, but Isaac, thanks so much. The The piece Tristan wrote about you is, is great. So hopefully people enjoyed reading it and I appreciate you taking the time to chat some more. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Isaac for taking some time to join me on the podcast today. And if you haven't already, be sure to pick up a copy of this week's paper or go online and read Tristan Scott's story, Confessions of a Serial Songwriter. Now, here are two big news stories from the week you should probably know about. Whitefish Mountain Resort closed out its 21-22 season on a high note with a closing weekend snowstorm that left more than a foot of fresh powder on the slopes. Throughout the season, Whitefish saw 464,000 skiers breaking the previous record set last year. 
With the ski season over, the resort is already at work constructing a new chairlift, which will be the resort's first high-speed six-pack and will shuttle skiers from the base lodge to the top of Inspiration Ridge, improving access to the East Room and providing an alternative route to the upper elevations of Big Mountain. The new chair will be open for the upcoming season. In addition, with this recent winter weather, Blacktail Mountain is continuing limited weekend operations. The lifts spun last weekend, and the Lakeside Resort announced that they will once again be open on Saturday, April 23rd, from 9.30 until 4.30. Lift tickets are $50 for a full day, but if you have a pass from any Montana Mountain Resort, you get tickets for half price. And now in Glacier National Park news, despite being months away from hitting the full summertime stride, this changing weather signals the emergence of a suite of recreational opportunities, including the very popular pre-traffic cycling opportunities on going to the Sun Road. This year, the park is implementing some rule tweaks that will affect the early season hiker-biker traffic. This spring, there will be hiker and biker closure signs on going to the Sun Road that will restrict visitors. The closures will be in place Monday through Thursday, while plow crews are working to clear the road. Violations of the closures will include up to $5,000 in fines and up to six months in jail. Park officials say that the changes to access are crafted with public safety in mind, especially after avalanches in recent years have trapped cyclists and led to rescue operations along the road. The park will also be operating its free hiker-biker shuttle again this year starting May 7th. And that weekend service will run between Apgar, Lake McDonald Lodge, and Avalanche Creek. That's all I've got for you today. As always, you can stay up to date on the latest local news online at flatheadbeacon.com. And don't forget to pick up an issue of the new Flathead Living magazine and this week's Flathead Beacon on newsstands in northwest Montana. This episode included songs by local Flathead Valley artist Mike Murray, who's nice enough to let us use them in the podcast. That's the show for this week. Thanks for listening.